Welcome to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. On our last podcast, I began teaching about the Holy Spirit coming in power at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Today, I continue on as we start in verse 14. I'm going to be reading uh, up through the preaching of Peter. And so it's going to be a lengthy passage, but it's so jam-packed with amazing stuff. I know you'll love it. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you, who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, 
and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Friends, this sounds like revival to me. The amazing thing is, look at Peter's sermon. No heart-wrenching testimonies, no side-splitting humor, no glitz, no glamour. He just talked about Jesus. It's the same with most of the Billy Graham crusades you've seen from years gone by. Just ordinary people speaking ordinary words with extraordinary results. The difference is that the Holy Spirit is in it. That's why I've been encouraging you so much to pray for the release of the Holy Spirit's power in your life so that us ordinary people doing and saying ordinary things may be used by God extraordinarily. That revival might come, that we may see it with our own eyes. Well, friends, what is revival anyway? Growing from 120 to over 3,000 in one day, hey, that's revival. But what about a modern example? Think about the most powerful moving of God you've ever seen and then realize this. We've just scratched the surface. I want to take you front row and center to 1949 and the Hebrides Islands off the coast of Great Britain and we're going to see what God can do and is always ready, willing, and able to do through a group of people who want the Lord to move more than they want their next breath. I want to take you to a hayloft in a village on the island of the Hebrides less than 70 years ago where a group of farmers are meeting. A small group of men are on their faces before God. They have gathered to pray, but this is no ordinary prayer meeting. Here are men led by their minister who are there to do business with God. And in the dark of night, they kneel down in the straw to plead with God that he would make bare his arm in revival. For months, they waited. For months, they gathered in the little barn three nights a week and waited upon God from dusk to dawn, determined to wrestle with God until the answer had been given. Then one night, a young man who was a deacon in his church arose from his knees and began to read Psalm 24, verses 3 to 5. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, he will receive blessing from the Lord. Brethren, he said, we have been praying for months for revival, waiting for God, but I would like to ask you now, are our hands clean? Are our hearts pure? In response to this searching challenge, they fell upon their knees in confession and rededication and again began to travail in prayer even more earnestly. An hour later, three of them were lying prostrate upon the floor. They had prayed until they were exhausted. By dawn, revival had come. The barn was suddenly filled with the glory of God and the power of God that was let loose in that barn shook the whole community. Within a few short weeks, hundreds had been converted, many without a word spoken to them. Drunkards began trembling under conviction in the drinking house. While people gathered in churches to pray, great conviction of sin swept over entire districts causing sinners to fall helpless in the roads. Meetings lasted for hours. Four services were held nightly, and churches were transformed. Preachers were called to the police station in the middle of the night to pray with men and women outside 
who had been stricken with great conviction and were crying to God to have mercy upon them. Friends, this is not fiction. This is not fantasy. This is not fable. This is re these are real events that happened in our Western world a few decades ago. Folks, this is revival. This is God in action. Honestly, this is what I am praying that God will do right now, right here in our nation. You may hear these things and think, that would never happen here. But I want to tell you today, behind the mighty turning loose of the irresistible power of God, were simply one minister and seven members of his church in a little wooden barn by the side of the road. People who were prepared to stand in the gap for their community, ready to pay the full price that God had demanded that revival might come. These men simply had three things that any of us could have if we wanted them. And I pray that you do want these things today. Firstly, they had faith in a covenant-keeping God. Second Chronicles 7 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God always wants to send revival to a people who are hungry and prepared. These men had absolute trust in the Bible and God's promise he made there. Nothing, including the long, weary months of waiting without an answer, weakened their confidence in the fact that their God, our God, is a covenant-keeping God, and he will, would fulfill his promise when we were humble and repentant. Secondly, these men humbled themselves before God. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Remember, these words preceded the power of God falling as the men were cut to the heart, just like the Bible says the people in Acts chapter 2 were when they heard Peter's words. And they fell to their knees in unreserved dedication and surrender to God. Here were people who were prepared to meet every demand of God, whatever the personal cost might be, that revival might come. You know, friends, that price of revival, which has never changed through the years, is brokenness before God, an emptying of ourselves, a letting go of sin, and total repentance and surrender to God and His purposes. And thirdly, these men prayed. Billy Graham has said that the success of his crusades over the decades has consisted of three things. Prayer, prayer, and prayer. Every revival that has come on our planet has been preceded by the people of God being an urgent and heartfelt prayer before God. For long, weary months, undeterred by the cold and discomforts of the barn, undeterred by the seeming silence of God, undeterred by the fact that no one else seemed concerned about revival and that the world seemed to be as godless as ever, these men kept pouring out their hearts to Jesus, kneeling in the straw or upon their faces before the Lord Jesus in agony of the soul. 
they cried out to the throne of God where the Father sat and the Son sat next to Him and the Holy Spirit hovered and prevailed. People, are we ready for this? Are you, my listeners today, ready for this? I pray that you are. You see, revival usually begins with just a few people, a remnant. Are you willing to be one of the few? The challenge of Acts chapter 2, the challenge of the Hebrides Islands that I've been speaking to you about today is our challenge today. Will you stand in the gap for your community, for our nation that needs a move of God so much? I invite you to do this thing, and I invite you to begin to do it by praying with me now this prayer of of dedication, this prayer of consecration. Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, it is not exaggerating to say that never in the history of Western civilization have we been in such a dire need of revival than we are now. Lord, draw true believers to their knees in heartfelt repentance and renewed commitment to you, your word and holiness. Jesus, we cry out to you for mercy. Our culture deserves judgment because of the way it has mocked you and vilified you and your word. But we ask for a stay of judgment one last time before the end, please, that we may experience one last great awakening that will shake the nations to their very core and bring in the end-time harvest of souls that will precede your glorious appearing. Amen. Keep praying, friends, and keep working for the harvest. I look forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the fruit of Pentecost. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.